Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome to a super bonus extra Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. That's what it is. It's me talking. It's you listening. I don't think we need to go into it any deeper than that, do we? I mean, we could if you wanted, but what's the point? It would just frustrate both of us. Me, because I don't know what to say, and you, because you don't want to hear it anyway. I'm doing this one because we are playing tomorrow night our most uh, important European game for... What, nine years? Yes, when we played the Champions League semi-final against Manchester United in 2009. What an occasion it was. The atmosphere, the flags. And then Kieran Gibbs slipped and they scored and that was pretty much that for the entire tie. Uh, It didn't last very long, the excitement. So we're hoping that it will last a little bit longer against Atletico Madrid. We play the first game tomorrow night at the Emirates Stadium before we go to Spain next week to successfully navigate our path into the Europa League final. At least I very much hope that's what happens in Spain next week in Madrid because I'm going to the game and I hope that it is as successful and enjoyable as the last time I was in Madrid, which was back in 2006, you might remember. A certain Thierry Henry scored a certain goal at the certain Bernabeu while a certain Cesc Fabregas came of age. And we had good fun that night. It was freezing cold, but they had lovely heaters in the Bernabeu. It was fantastic. We stood under the heaters. We watched Arsenal win 1-0, and it was just all-round great fun. So I'm hoping that's the case in Madrid next week. But look, enough waffle with me to discuss this game, how Atletico are going to set up, how they might approach it, and also a little bit uh, later on in the podcast about Raul Sanyehi, who is, of course, the new Arsenal director of football. Sorry, head of football relations. He's not allowed to be called director of football until until after Arsene Wenger leaves. Uh, and uh, some thoughts on Luis Enrique as a potential candidate uh, to replace Arsene Wenger. But all of that is with uh, Madrid-based journalist Dermot Corrigan. Hi, Dermot. Hey, Andrew. Good to talk to you. Tell me a little bit about what kind of a team Atletico Madrid are. What sort of challenges are Arsenal going to face on Thursday evening at the Emirates? Yeah, Atletico are a, they're a similar enough team to the Atletico that have punching above their weight in Europe in, in previous seasons and um, you know Simeone's their team they're, they're well set up they're hard to beat they're, they're tough at the back they don't score loads of goals and they'd like to, to kind of arm wrestle opponents into into submission the the main kind of development this year is or in recent weeks especially is that they're very um, low on numbers at the moment they've had a, a weird season really between going out of the Champions League early moving to a new stadium a FIFA transfer ban last summer and the squad is is really unbalanced they sold players to three players left for China in the winter window they didn't bring in any replacements 
and now they've had a couple of injuries so they're kind of they're stumbling towards the end of the season they've not been going so well in, in La Liga at, at the moment they were beaten 3-0 at Real Sociedad last week doing all at home to Betis at, at the weekend so they are the you know when the draw was made everybody thinks about Atletico as this really tough really physical really energetic motivated team and maybe we will see that on Thursday but but if so they're going to have to to find that energy from somewhere because in recent weeks they've been they've been kind of fading a bit and it's probably a good time to face them I think yeah I was going to ask you that because looking at the form and looking at the uh, the league table obviously they're second in La Liga which is an achievement in itself when you consider the resources available to the clubs uh, who you would expect to be above them Barcelona and, and Real Madrid obviously who are who are falling behind I, I think the thing that stands out to me is the defensive record they've conceded just 18 goals by comparison Madrid have let in uh, 36 uh, they've only scored 54 though compared to 83 for Barcelona 80 for, for Real Madrid but recent form has been relatively patchy I guess in comparison to what's come um, previous to this I think they've won just three of their last eight they've lost three games in their last eight and drawn a couple so w- will that be playing on their minds do you think uh, as a team that is very well organized and very well structured is this going to be something else that they have to contend with yeah, I think so. Like All Black after the the game at the weekend um, on the TV, and then again in the in the mix zone at the Wanda was talking about just he used the word tired, which is not really a word that you expect players to, to use in public, even if they are feeling it. To, to go out and admit that yeah, we are tired, we are struggling a bit at the minute because it's been such a long season and because they have so few players to to choose from and not much of a chance to be rotated. Like it's gone in parts their season. They started off not so well at all. Um, you know, losing to Chelsea at home in the in the Champions League was a big blow. Then, you know, they drew twice against Carabag from, from Azerbaijan that knocked them out of the competition. And when Costa came in, in January, when Costa was available in January, suddenly Griezmann started playing really well again. Suddenly they were flying. You know, they they hammered Sevilla. They had some really good results in the when they got into Europa League. You know, they they were flying through the. The, the last 16, the quarterfinals, and it seemed that things were coming together perfectly for them. And now they've hit a, a dip again. A couple of injuries. Felipe Luis is a really big loss for them at the back. Costa is out. Looks like he's not going to be able to, to play on Thursday because he's got a, a, a kind of a, a, a weird kind of thigh muscle injury that they haven't given us too much details about. So maybe he'll he'll come back. It could be that they're, they're keeping him for this and they'll throw him in. But again, that's a risk. So it's it's hard to predict how things will go for Atletico. With, with the history of how things have gone under Simeone, it's possible that they will come out flying, you know, all guns blazing. They'll be really up for it. They'll go flying into the tackles and the, the maybe they'll think they might be able to intimidate Arsenal a bit or, or to, to blow them away with their energy. But, you know, watching their last couple of games, especially away from home, you know, we, we haven't seen that. So it's going to be something that they either can pull it off on a one, once-off or it's a chance for Arsenal to take advantage. Do you think there's any sense that the recent away form has been in part due to the focus turning to the Europa League in much the same way as it has for Arsenal this season? Uh, I think there's no danger, of course, of Atletico missing out on Champions League football next season, whereas for Arsenal, this is the only entry, the only possible way to get into the to the Champions League. Nevertheless, when it comes to winning something, they're so far behind Barcelona, they're, you know, they're not going to catch them. So for this season to be a success, from a, a silverware point of view they've had to focus a little bit on that is there any sense that that could be an explanation yeah for sure there could be something in that alright like the the one game that they haven't lost of their last four away was at the Bernabeu where they you know it was a big game a bit like going to Arsenal you know, it was a big game they, they were up for it they, it was important for them not to lose because Madrid might have caught them and jumped over them into second in the table so when when the 
the focus was really on and when they really needed to do it they, they played well in that game um, Madrid had more of the ball as, as you'd expect it mm. between Madrid and Atletico but Atletico you know they, they dug in they defended pretty well All Black made a couple of good saves then when Madrid did manage to score Atletico suddenly went on the attack and, and scored equalised within a couple of minutes could have scored a couple more goals then suddenly realised okay 1-1 will do us and sat back again to, to defend so it was a kind of a feeling that when they were really pushed to it and they had to come out and attack and and show what they can do, then they did do it. So, yeah, as you say, when maybe similar to Arsenal, that they've, they've been keeping their best performances for, for the bigger games towards the end of the season, and, and Thursday is obviously one of them. Sure. Now, when it comes to big games like this, does Simeone have a specific tactical approach? Uh, you know, will he look at the, the way the opposition are going to play? Is his natural inclination to be uh, defensive? I mean, clearly it is. That's, you know, a big strength of Atletico Madrid is how, how organized they are at the back and how difficult they are to, to score against. But when you go to somewhere like Real Madrid, when you go to somewhere like Barcelona, who are hugely potent attacking teams, um, does he tailor his uh, approach slightly differently than than for other opposition? I'm not saying that Arsenal are on the same level as Barcelona or Real Madrid in any sense, but if there is a strength to the way that Arsenal play, it's when the attack clicks and when it works, it, it really can be quite lethal. Uh, Arsenal have been scoring quite a lot of goals in recent weeks as well, uh, particularly at home. They've they've been uh, they've been a, a lot more potent than uh, earlier in the season. So. How do you feel he's going to set up for this one? The the thing about, with Simeone and what he, he does so well or what he's got put into his team so well is their ability to play differently depending on the situation in the game. Like he says, he often says at, at press conferences, and it's a kind of it's a phrase that's difficult enough to translate into English. But he talks about bringing the game to where his team are more comfortable. That they they want to not so much to control the possession or to control territory in the game, but play the game on their terms. And that can mean, um, especially early in the game, pressing high up and making the the other team uncomfortable, making the other team doubt about what they're going to do. So I I don't think it's going to be a case where it's hard to know, but but my good feeling would be that they're not going to sit back and and kind of park the bus, especially in the first 20 minutes at at the Emirates, that they'll look to to, to hurry Arsenal, to to press them, especially if Costa's playing up, up front, and even if he's not, that even Griezmann and their attacking players will work really hard and, and put uh, Arsenal's defenders and put their, their deep midfielders, whether it's Wilshire or whoever is, is kind of their playmaker in midfield, they put him under pressure. And, Jack, and knock probably. Their, Jack, yeah, to try to knock him off off his stride, try to, to worry him, even to, to get under his skin and maybe niggle him a little bit with, <laughs> you know, with fouls and, and stuff like that, which Atletico are, are excellent at. So I can imagine them defending at times in the game. For sure, they're not going to, you know, throw people forward willy-nilly or anything, but they'll... They, they won't look to, to defend their own penalty area or anything like that. They'll try and get an away goal. I remember they went to, to Chelsea. It's a couple of years ago now, but in, in 2014, when they, they went to Chelsea for the second leg, everybody was thinking, oh, they're going to sit back. It was against Mourinho's Chelsea. But they, they flew out of the blocks and scored three goals that night. It's maybe their, their best performance. So they're they're capable of, of turning it on. And I'd imagine that at, at times within the game, they'll definitely look to attack and try and get that away goal. At other times, they will sit tight and, and look to frustrate Arsenal. Yeah, it's interesting because Arsenal are not always set up particularly well to deal with a, 
a team that presses them and comes at them aggressively and what you're saying uh, about their uh, what's the word I'm looking for their ability to uh, deal in shithousery uh, <laughs> and that kind of stuff you know we have been liable to um, to fall for that a bit as well Jack in particular I think his discipline has been a lot better this season but he is somebody who can be perhaps wound up a little bit so uh, hopefully that's something that Arsene Wenger uh, will, will drill into his side when you talk about Atletico, you talk about the danger man. Everybody knows Diego Costa. There's been a long history between Arsenal and Diego Costa. Not a particularly friendly one. So, you know, having having a pantomime villain in a game like this is always quite entertaining. Whether he plays on Thursday or not, we'll wait and see. I suspect he'll be back for the, uh, for the home leg at least. Um, Antoine Griezmann, a fantastic player. But who else should Arsenal be looking out for as players of influence on the the Atletico Madrid side uh, who, who might need to be, uh, I'm not going to say stopped, but who we might have to focus on a bit more than the obvious candidates. Yeah, I think Salonigas is, is, is likely to play either in, in central midfield or, or maybe on one of the wide midfield positions. He, he can pretty much play anywhere um, across the middle for Atletico. And he's, he's a really, it's hard to know what he's best at. He's a really good all-round player. But Simeone has a lot of faith in him and gives him a lot of responsibility in the team. And he tends to score in, in big games. Like He scored in, in Champions League semi-finals against Bayern Munich. He scored a super goal. He scored against Barcelona. He scored a, a bicycle kick in a derby against Real Madrid. And he's a guy who doesn't, he doesn't get loads of goals and doesn't get a lot of attention maybe. But he's he's a really big big game player for, for a young guy, maybe 22, 23. But he, he stamps himself on a game, does what, what needs to be done. Somebody else to look out for is for Salico at right back, who is definitely going to play because Juan Fran has, has added to the injury list. He pulled a hamstring at the weekend. And for Salico, he's somebody who you know doesn't always get his game for Atletico. He's not one of the definitely not one of the first players on the team sheet, but he's got a great assist record. He, he sets up a lot of goals. He's got a good relationship with with Griezmann as well. He's able to pick him out, and he gets forward really well down the right. So I'm not sure who's going to be playing down the left for for Arsenal on the left midfield and at left back but they're going to have to, to really keep an eye on him because a lot of their, their danger in, in recent weeks especially with Felipe Luis injured comes down the right hand side and you know you, you want to keep an eye on him Yeah we're not quite sure what way Arsene Wenger is going to approach this whether he goes with a back three at home and looks to be a bit more defensively solid uh, in order to try and keep a clean sheet and ensure we don't concede an away goal or if he's going to look to the home game and Arsenal's home form as uh, a real positive and a way of, of playing the kind of football he wants his team to play. So it depends um, It depends how he approaches it. Obviously, I think Nacho Monreal will be, will be the left back if he goes with a back four probably Danny Welbeck on the left-hand side, um, who is somebody who, who really does put in a good defensive shift as well to, uh, to, counteract, that, uh, to counteract that kind of a threat. But it, it, it really is a tasty encounter, this one, isn't it? Because we have, I, I don't know if you could equate the two clubs in a way, but you know, Arsenal aren't the biggest club in England. Atletico Madrid, not the biggest club in, in Spain. But in recent years, perhaps have, I won't say overachieved, but have uh, consolidated themselves as, you know, top level clubs. It's the first time they've ever met in Europe as well. I think we've done some uh, Emirates Cup games in preseason, but I think this is a really exciting tie. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's caught, kind of caught the imagination in, in Spain as well, because when, when Atletico dropped down into the Europa League was a big disappointment for them. They weren't expecting that at all, even though they turned out it was a difficult group because Roma are in the, the semi-finals now and, mm. and Chelsea as well but they weren't expecting to go out 
and the, so far in the Europa League, the, the opposition hasn't been the most um, the most exciting. The one that hasn't really been full for any of the the games so far. But the Arsenal coming, especially with it being Wenger's last season, and Wenger is so so well known and so respected in in, in Spain and in Madrid, and you know linked to the through Madrid job plenty of times in the past. That it's really got the really got people excited about about the competition. They're only a, a step away from the final. Maybe people were. I don't know, by hoping it to be in the final or maybe they're happy that Arsenal are going to come here because they get to, to go and see Arsenal, they get to go and see the Arsenal players, Ozil coming back as well. And there's a, a feeling with with Bayern coming to the Bernabeu on the Tuesday and then Arsenal coming to, to the Wanda on the Thursday that it's a huge week of of football in, in the capital here in, in Madrid and, and everybody's really looking forward to it. Yeah, has, has the... The issues that Arsenal have suffered this season, I think, is a good way of putting it. Obviously, we're in the semi-finals of a European competition, which is great, but domestically, the season has been really poor. There's been the unrest. We now have the clarity over the manager's situation, but has that taken the shine off it in any way? Are people still excited to see Arsenal? Is there a reputation that kind of precedes us in a way, despite the, the difficulties of this season? Yeah, for sure. Like, big football fans will be following pretty closely what's going on with Arsenal the Premier League is shown on the TV here and on the the Saturday night Sunday night uh, highlights programs they always show the the Premier League games and they talk about Arsenal maybe the domestic form that they're Things haven't been going so well. Might go a little bit under the radar amongst the the average fan that they they more think of Arsenal as as a team who you know challenged for titles and challenged for trophies and one of the the aristocracy I guess like. Atletico fans would see themselves as as underdogs, I guess, against Arsenal historically. That they would look yeah. at their club as as not having as much money, as not having a, as good players, not being a, a, as high profile, and they would see it maybe as a chance to take the scalp as well. Because as you said, they've they've never played before. In, in recent years, they, they've beaten Chelsea, they've beaten Bayern Munich, they've beaten Barcelona in in the Champions League. They've, they've not been able to beat Madrid in the Champions League. It's been a big sticking point for them, but they've beaten them in in Copa del Rey and in La Liga and getting Arsenal maybe Arsenal not in their best moment is a chance for them to yeah to get another scalp and to put another hang another one on, on the wall and you know a good way to finish the season at home even you know at the Wanda so far there hasn't been that that really big signature victory you know yeah. they, they drew yeah. against Madrid they drew against Barca in La Liga they went they lost in the Copa del Rey to Sevilla which was a real another real low point in the season um you know, to, to go out of that competition against Sevilla wasn't expected. So if they can, you know, put in a big performance in the second leg, especially like a comeback or something like that to to knock out Arsenal, that could go down as the first the first real big night at the one, the first night that they, they write it into the the history books and well, you know, kids will remember it, all that type of thing. And sure. Arsenal will like that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, we've had that with the Emirates Stadium as well, where it can take a while for for a new stadium to really feel like home and a big game and a big uh, big result can often do that. While we're on the subject of Arsenal, um, one of the people who will be tasked with the rebuilding or certainly the, the organization of the club going forward is a former Barcelona director of football, Raul Sanlieji. Um, can you give us a little bit of background on him and the the sort of work that he did at Barcelona and how he's perceived over there? He's a fascinating, fascinating character, and he's somebody who would have come across not not personally, but come across in writing stories about Barcelona over the years without ever really been able to to put a finger on, on what he does. Like he's not somebody who spoke in the media much at all. You know, Barca have. Various spokesper- spokespersons, spoke people who have come out over 
over the years and talk whether it's the sporting director or, or different directors they have at the club. A lot of people who, who I think like to see themselves on the TV, like to feel, makes them feel important, that, that kind of thing. Even when, you know, some of the decisions that the club made have been, you know, controversial and and bad really in the past. You know, looking at the Neymar transfer, um, which, you know, still unresolved and in the end Barcelona were, took a, the club themselves admitted to to, to breaking the law and took, got a criminal record as, as a corporation, as a club in, in Spain, Sané was was big in that deal. You know, he was he was very involved in the deal. Would have dealt, as far as I know personally, with with Neymar Senior. You know, going back when they were trying to tempt him, where Neymar as as a family were trying to decide whether to go to Madrid or to Barcelona. He was one of the the main guys, very close to Sandro Jose. I think they both they worked together in in Nike in South America before coming into the club. So he's a guy who really knows how to. How to get things done, I guess. You know where the where the pressure points are. How to to get a deal done, but not somebody who who cares too much about being in the spotlight. Maybe does his best work away from the spotlight and and, and can get things done in, in that type of way, which is unusual enough at Barcelona. So to see him going to Arsenal, I was surprised about it. I have to say, I, I didn't expect him to to take on, which is a more high profile role. I don't know how much media work he he has done so far at Arsenal, but he's definitely. Um, he, he seems to have more of a, a profile now to be somebody who the fans talk about, who, who the media talk about, who is seen a, as a, a big decision maker at the club, who has that responsibility as well if things go wrong. He always seemed to dodge everything that that went wrong at, at Barca to be, be still standing when, you know, Rosé was gone, mm-hmm. when the, they had elections, different things, different sporting directors, Ubi Zerata got, got fired, all, all that everybody seemed to, to to be in turmoil but he was always there so it'd be fascinating to see how things go you know as I say he's, he's a, surely a, a smart guy it's hard to know too much about him because you know he doesn't seem to do too many interviews or talk too much but you know Arsenal definitely have a, a guy who, who knows his way around the, the transfer market and the agents and all that type of thing for yeah. sure it's been quite interesting actually we've heard reports that he is or has been willing to do some media stuff but Arsenal have not allowed him to do that in the very short term. Maybe they'll uh, give him that license in the future. But uh, maybe it's because of what's going on with Arsene Wenger and and just sort of from a, a respect point of view, uh, they they haven't let him do it as of yet. I mean, we know basically that he is going to be the director of football at Arsenal. He's going to be the man who's going to go out and do the signings, do the negotiations, having uh, been recommended the players or certainly made decisions on the players in conjunction with Sven Mislintat, who is uh, the head of recruitment. So it's a whole new thing at Arsenal. He did appear at a, a fans forum, which is something that happens every three or four months at the club where the chief executive and uh, somebody else at the club might meet representatives um, of, of a fans forum from various uh, aspects of the club and he did speak quite well at that um, as you would expect is a fairly stage managed event but it'll be curious to see uh, how he gets on one of the people who has been linked with the Arsenal job is obviously somebody that Sanyehi would know very well which is uh, Luis Enrique uh, he had amazing success at Barcelona but I think he's still a manager with some question marks over him, isn't he? Because of his record at Roma, because of, because perhaps in in some ways of of uh, the fact that he did what he did at Barcelona. I'm always reminded of that brilliant um, clip from Second Captains, where I think I can't remember who Owen is talking to, but he says, "You know, is it not fair to say anybody could manage this Barcelona team?" And the guy goes, "No, this is ridiculous." But there is 
you know, a nugget of truth in that when you've got Suarez, when you've got Neymar, when you've got uh, Lionel Messi, of course, and you've got Iniesta, you've got Busquets, uh, all these amazing players. I'm not saying you don't have to have something about you as a manager, but it certainly makes it easier when you've got those guys in your team. Yeah, for sure. Um, Everybody's waiting to see what Luis Enrique's next step is going to be because he... He didn't leave too many friends uh, around Barcelona in the in the press room anyway. Um, he's a he's a he's a very prickly character. Um, Somebody said to me that he is uh, basically the Spanish Jose Mourinho, but with less charm, which is frightening. Yeah, I, he's I w- would warm to maybe a little bit more than to Mourinho in that I I don't think he he doesn't didn't get into too many rows with opposition coaches or with opposition people. But he's a he's a guy who's very sensitive about how what other people say to him especially in the media he, he i don't think he cares well i'm gonna contradict myself a little bit here he he, he would say see himself that he doesn't care what the media say he's no interest in what pundits say or ex-players or anything that he's the guy doing the job but yet it, it gets at him it gets under his skin and he, he got into to a couple of he was just rude to, to to a lot of people i think is is a fair way of putting it tactically he he did pretty well you know um he got the his record at Barca, you know, a couple of, of domestic doubles that Champions League win with, with the three guys up front. He got them playing that way. You know, he had his run-ins with Messi and he had his himself and Javi didn't always see eye to eye either. He's not, he, maybe he did back down a little bit with, with Messi and just decided to, that it was better off not, not going against him. And that's when the team clicked and, and won that Champions League that, that year. But, you know, at Celta, he did pretty well, but not, not much better than other Celtic coaches ha- have done, like Barrizzo, who ended up failing at at Celta Viga and Onzue, his his former assistant, is there this year doing more or less similar job. Have Celtic up in the top half of the table? They're a really well-run club at Roma, as you say, fell out with Toddy. Things didn't go so well there at all. So, yeah, his next move is going to be big. I don't see him as a great fit at Arsenal, considering the the work that would have to be done there. I'm not sure what his English is like. Maybe he's been learning it. Um, recently but he's not like Guardiola that type of uh, ambassadorial presence or kind of cosmopolitan guy who you know feels at ease in different cultures Luis Enrique is very close to the, the people he grew up with you know he's he's big into cycling he does a lot of of like when he goes on holidays what he wants to do is, is just go cycling with his mates which is a, a solitary enough type of a thing or a closed enough type of a thing he's not that comfortable in the media so to, to go into England and to deal with everything that, that comes with it especially you know if, you know, when things don't go so well, will be will be difficult. He knows football. That that's for sure. He's a real football man, and he's he's got respect for for that as a player. He was great. You know, he guy who didn't have maybe the the most talent, but but got every every inch out of what he had and won a lot at both Madrid and Barcelona. So mm. I don't know if uh, he'd be my first choice to appoint him, but could work out well, as you say with, with Sanier. There's the link there, but be an interesting one a difficult one maybe to, for him what about his record in the transfer market which um, I don't know how much we can separate the signings he made from you know the people who made the signings at Barcelona maybe there's more of an executive committee deciding on the players who come in but you know he spent a lot of money on some players who really didn't work out uh, Andre Gomez for example Thomas Vermaelen was a, an Enrique signing um, there was a striker guy wasn't there who came in from Valencia maybe I can't remember his name yeah yeah uh, Acer. yeah yeah you know uh, quite a number of big money signings who never did the business and when we're reading 
reading uh, this week that Arsenal's transfer war chest isn't so much a war chest. Uh, it's only about £50 million, which in this market gets you very, very little. There's a need to uh, spend what money you have very well. So would that be a concern for you, uh, you know, uh, what he did in the transfer market at Barcelona? Or is there is it a bit more forgiving there that, you know, they're willing to forgive uh, players who don't quite make the grade as long as you're seen to be investing? Uh, I'd say on on Luis Enrique that the most most input he had on signings would have been when he arrived first at the club in his first summer when he was working closely with, with Subi Zareta who he knew really well they were ex-teammates and that, that summer they signed Ter Stegen uh, Rakitic and Luis Suarez and they especially Rakitic and Suarez were people who my understanding or what, what it seemed at the time was that they were really players that Luis Enrique wanted that he'd identified before and before taking over the job as guys who would improve the team and, and guys who who would fit and they did you know they've both been great successes they, Rakitic wasn't a guy who all the biggest clubs in Europe were after but he, he sh- has showed at Barca that he's he's top top player mm. in more recent years people like Andre Gomez and Alcacer as you say for and not sure whether they would have been particularly identified by Luis Enrique. He always kind of stood up for, for Andre Gomez, maybe took his side because he was getting a lot of criticism for the press and felt that he had to, to look after him, which, you know, his, his good management is admirable enough in itself. I don't think he's somebody who would say, I'm going to be in charge of everything, maybe like Wenger was or, or Mourinho or, or Benitez or people who, who were always arguing with the directors about the um, the, the transfer, who, who they're going to sign. But yeah, I'm not sure he's proven himself as a guy who can, you know, pick up bargains, who's able to wheel and deal. That's something that, you know, he hasn't really done at any of his other clubs, as far as I know. So might be a concern for sure, yeah. All right. Well, look, um, I think he's one of the candidates. We're not going to find out uh, just yet as to who is going to replace Arsene Wenger. I think that will come at the end of the season. But Dermot, we'll leave it there. Thanks a million. Great to talk to you. Cool. Cheers, Andrew. It's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Thank you very much indeed to Dermot. You can find him on Twitter at Dermot M. Corrigan. That is at Dermot M. Corrigan. And he writes about Spanish football for ESPN, the Irish Examiner and others. Now, Atletico Madrid have named a 20-man squad for the trip to London. And guess what? See if you can figure out who has been named in the squad. That's right. It's uh, Diego Costa. Yeah, it was uh, pretty obvious. Now, it is a 20-man squad, and you can only name 18 in the uh, in the match day squad, so perhaps they're bringing him while he's not quite fully fit, but they're going to give him a fitness test to run out in training and hope for the best and, and see if they can get him out there. Maybe even just as a substitute because they know what a pain in the arse he has been to us, a thorn in our side down the years, this, this Rob Delaney's evil twin-looking motherfucker. That's what he is. Anyway, what can we do? If he's fit, he's going to play. If he plays, he could cause us problems. You know, he scored against us in the FA Cup final, didn't he? Uh, Is it going to be Ospina tomorrow? Is it going to be Czech? Who knows? What way is Arsene Wenger going to do his goalkeeping thing now that the the trophy is so important? I suspect Ospina. I really do. I don't think he's going to go back on his word. From our point of view, we got to hope that Mesut Ozil is no longer Mesut Ozil and Mesut O-healthy, O-better. Oh boy, that was really bad. Sorry about that. But you know where I was going with it. And uh, let's hope the players can rise to the occasion because this is an occasion. It is a huge night for the football club. Uh, It's been a weird few days with everything that's been going on, but the focus now should be on getting a good result, having a good result to take over to the second leg in Madrid. We are two games away from a European final. That is exciting. That's exciting. Whatever else is going on, however else you felt about everything else, this is the fun stuff, folks. This is what we're in it for. There's a trophy within, not quite touching distance, but we can see it. It's in the uh, it's in the distance. It's not touching distance, but it's in the distance. We can't touch the distance yet. But when we can touch the distance, we can then touch glory or something. I don't know. I don't know. But look, this should be exciting. Arsenal versus Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid versus Arsenal. Uh, two big games coming up in our in our calendar. There is, of course, the uh, small matter of a trip to Old Trafford on Sunday. But for now, that remains irrelevant. I don't even want to think about it. It's all on uh, tomorrow night. It's all on what we can do. Our home record is good. We're scoring lots of goals. So if we can score a few and uh, keep a clean sheet, that will put us in a very nice position. But it is going to be extremely tough to do that against uh, an Atletico side who have only conceded 18 goals in the league this season uh, in comparison to the what have, we, what have we conceded 50 no 45 I think I don't want to bring anybody down I don't want to end the podcast on a downer but it's actually 46 goals god damn I shouldn't have looked that up I should have just kept my uh, myself in in willful ignorance And ignorance is bliss, as they say. All right, folks, I will catch you on Friday and we'll be discussing the Atletico game uh, in Friday's podcast. So join us for that. In the meantime, have a good one. Cheers. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.